Welcome to Embracing the Journey, a program focused on the freedom that comes from being able to talk about death. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank. Our topic today is about communicating what we want at the end of our lives through the five wishes or advanced directives. With us today is David Franco, board president of Hospice of the Foothills, and John Blinder, Hospice of the Foothills trustee advisor, advisory member. Oh, welcome, David and John. Thanks for being here. Good to be here. Thank you. <coughs> so I'm really excited to talk to you both about the five wishes and advanced directives uh, and just the legal documents that we need uh, to let our last wishes be known. Um, but before we get started, David, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in hospice? Absolutely. So several years ago, I was the board president of KVMR. And I was so happy to work directly with our executive director, Julie Chiarelli. And one day she calls me in the office and she says, I'm leaving. <laughs> I didn't panic in front of her. but And she was going to hospice of the foothills. And um, my presidency lasted another, I think, six months or so. No, about a, uh, almost another year. And then at the end of my presidency, Maybe five minutes after, <laughs> I get a call from Julie and Viv. Viv is Viv uh, Tipton is our executive director, and they said, "Why don't you consider a board membership at Hospice of the Foothills?" So I said yes. I jumped in with both feet, and about a year and a half after that, I became board president. Oh, it's a lot of work, and I love every minute of it. Oh, that's great, David and John. I know you're involved in a lot of ways in the community, but how did you get involved in hospice? Well, mine was uh, uh, family. My mother was in hospice back in New York uh, as her days were coming to an end, and we finally got her to come out here. But in the process, I had learned a fair amount about hospice in New York, and I started to learn a bunch about hospice in California and wound up uh, being really interested in what was going on here. In addition, I'm a commercial real estate broker by day, and I did help uh, hospice at a critical moment in time several years ago when uh, the, the outflow of monies was not as good as the inflow of cash, and uh, I was able to help find them a tenant for a portion of their building which was uh, a big piece of what helped turn around the financials. And I just got engaged with all the people there and uh, found myself uh, wanting to volunteer. But as, as you alluded to, I'm, I'm involved in several arts organizations. I'm still the president of the board of the Nevada County Arts Council. And I didn't really have time for a full-blown board membership at this time. So I've been on the advisory, what they call the board of trustees, for some time now. Well, that is great. and and. I know that you probably both do many things in, in those roles, but one of the, the, the areas that you're both very excited to talk about, and I know once our audience hears it, they're going to be excited too, and, and that's these advanced directives or five wishes is another way of doing that. And um, could one of you, we have talked about that in this show. We've had a lawyer come on and talk about advanced directives. We had Karen Packard, the former president of hospice, talk about five wishes. She was one of the people that got the ball rolling on that mm -hmm. many years ago. But could you just remind us what those documents are? Sure. So five wishes 
is a five-question document. And it, what it is is a, a document that allows you to begin formulating your thoughts about how you want to craft your end-of-life process. And uh, it's as thorough as you want it to be, and it's as complete as it is, and it's something everybody should be doing. Is it, what's the difference between that and advanced directives? Um, I think it's, I don't know the answer to that, because I know that there's a technical answer to what is an advanced directive, and I know there's a medical side to it, a very specific medical side. So this is a, I guess this is an advanced directive. I'm not 100, from a legal point of view, I'm not 100% sure. Mm -hmm. But it is, you are telling the world what, how you would wish them to direct themselves. It's accepted by doctors, hospitals, your healthcare providers. Um, they will follow this wish. And it is a legal document. If you go on the Five Wishes website, that's a question that gets asked. Is this legal? And it is legal. It ha once it is completed, which is some answer to the five questions that are posed, and then you sign it and it be witnessed by two other people, that's a live document. And so the advanced directives, uh, as I understand it and as I worked out with my lawyer, I believe, um, it is also a legal document, mm -hmm. and it, it will let people know what we want medically and at the end. Um, and, John, I understand you have a personal or personal stories maybe about when people had done the work ahead of time and put together advanced directives and when people in your life had not. And could you maybe share with us the benefit of, of thinking ahead. Sure. So um, <clears throat> I came to this because my family had, uh, uh, my father was a good deal older than my mother at the time. And uh, my father was of a generation that we didn't discuss much about advanced directives, what his wishes were, what was in his will. We didn't know anything, and he didn't offer anything. He was a good man, but from a different generation. He was born in 1909. And he passed away in 2006, and he was literally the healthiest person I've ever heard of in my life. We all were sure he was going to be on a Smucker's Jar with, uh, on the Today Show. But he didn't make it. He had a, an emergency surgery that really should never have been executed, but uh, they did it. And my brother and I did not know what his wishes were. He was had a partner in his life at the time. She didn't know either. And at the moment in time at which he came out of a serious surgery and was basically unknown to the world, he, he didn't know what was going on. He was in a, a care facility. He had dementia, full-blown, didn't recognize me or my brother or anybody much. Um, for me... I was with my father on many occasions uh, visiting his golf buddies, who I also knew because I played a lot of golf with him. And we would come out of these hospitals or these places where his friends were, and he'd shake his head, and sometimes just you could tell he was very upset. And he goes, I don't ever want to be like that. And I saw my father in what I 
call the most expensive hospital in the world, New York Presbyterian, and he was in intensive care for two and a half months. I guesstimated a bill of $3 million, probably, who knows what it was. And he would have been appalled that these efforts were made to keep him alive for what? The problem that we had, he did not have an advanced directive that we had privy to. My brother had a different point of view on what should happen. His girlfriend at the time, I guess you can have girlfriends when you're 95 or 96 and of she's 83. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, so for the first, for the period of time, I knew what I knew about my father's desires. He did not want that. He would have preferred to be let go, but they weren't prepared to do that. So all of a sudden, we have three people who are empowered with making a decision and we could not agree. And so we went on and on and I watched him suffer. And I, well, he didn't suffer because he didn't know what was going on, mm -hmm. but nothing was happening and there was nothing good that could come out of it. And so he passed away, you know, shortly after he was released from the hospital, not knowing anybody. And my brother and I were uh, kind of at each other's throats. And I didn't know that he had an unresolved issue around something years and years ago from with him and my father. I had no clue. But he couldn't let my father go. He goes, I can't kill dad. And I go, God, you don't understand. You're letting him go. You're not killing him. So but clearly I, that that isn't a, a story that where having an advanced directive would have really helped, but that's, that was the problem with not having it, is that your dad suffered longer or, and that also this family angst. To, to me, the biggest impact was on the family. I don't think he really knew what was yeah. happening to him. He had right. tubes coming out of you know, every part. So what happened was uh, our, our mother, who was still alive and living in a different world, um, as she began to age, they were 17 years apart, and as her time came, my brother and I knew what we had to do. We had to ask her, what did she want? And as a result of our stepping up and asking for information, a simple question is that, she brought us to her attorneys and made us, you know, uh, attorneys in fact. And we had all the keys to the kingdom and we were able to work with her bank accounts and her real estate property and all of the things that were important as one moves towards the end of life. She chose, she was living in New York at the time. It's so funny because she never wanted to come out here. We invited her countless numbers of time. Why don't you come out, mom? We have a nice place. We were uh, pitching Escaton at the time. And she goes, no. And then the last weekend uh, of her in New York, uh, my girlfriend, Debbie Plass, and my brother and I met in New York, and we sat down on the couch, and I said, Mom, you're coming back to California with us tonight. And she turned to my brother, and goes, what took you so long? <laughs> oh, like, my. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> so the moral of the story is my mother had a very organized end of life. She got the care she desired. Escaton did a lovely job for her, as, as did the people in New York learned that hospice in New York is very different from hospice in California, the way they operate, but that's not for this particular program. And what we found was that as time was ending for my mother, my brother and I knew exactly what to do and what she wanted. There were no arguments, there were no issues, and it was very plain and straightforward. And so my message to the world, frankly, is it's more important for you as a parent to do this for your children 
what they did, what my father did inadvertently, putting us in the position that he did, was completely unfair on his part, inappropriate, I would say. And I shout to the mountaintops to anyone that will listen now that the way forward is to have a conversation with your family, whoever they are, whoever's still around and important for you, is to let them know what you want, to sign the advanced directives. The five steps is a very useful document in getting the thought process well, going. John, this is exactly why I really wanted you on the show with David tonight. And you are listening to Embracing the Journey on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and my guests are David Franco, board president of Hospice of the Foothills, and John Blinder, Hospice of the Foothills trustee. So, David, you decided to do something different, and you had an idea to uh, get help some friends get started on filling out these five wishes for them. So what did you do? Yeah. Well, John's story is poignant. It's exactly where most people are. They have no guidance. When, when he was with their, your father, and there was no guide on what to do. So five wishes allows you to begin crafting this end-of-life directive because it starts the conversation. So what I started to do, I had already been in hospice. I had a copy of the five wishes, and I mentioned it to a friend. And I said, gosh, why don't we do this together? And by the end of, in about a week or two later, when we decided to get together, there were 18 of us sitting around a big table, dining room table, 18 points of view answering the same question. For instance, the first question is, name the person that you would like to make decisions for you at this difficult time. So a very dear friend of mine, she said, I don't want it to be my husband. <laughs> and she said, because he gets too emotional. Because walking yourself through this takes a form of objectivity, and you're actually working as a servant to the person putting it together. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that have made the wish. Your job is to fulfill it with effectiveness and efficiency. And that's the kind of thing you don't want to surprise your husband with at the end because it, it could be taken um, in a negative point of view, but when you understand it's done with love to make it easier on a loved one, um, well, I think that's a, that's I a value. And, and there are a couple that will talk about everything, but she just didn't want him engineering what her wishes had yeah. been. Because And she's right in that, because then it gave him his ability to grieve and, and so on. Hospice of the Foothills, our mission statement is to provide compassionate care for patients, family, and the community. You don't stop at the one patient who's in hospice dying, but it, it affects their family and the community. Everybody's involved in this, so get everybody involved. Well, so did everybody that night at that table finish their five wishes? Well, as I looked around the table, I could see some people with pencils and they're writing, crossing things out, making notes and things like that. And some were just sitting there philosophically turning the pages. <laughs> and so we're meeting again in about three weeks, round two, to see who got it done who has it signed, who has it witnessed, and who's given it to their health care providers. So um, that 
it's just amazing that you had 18 people. Did you have to twist arms? I mean, are, are, are you... I, I did, thought there was going to be like four of us that were going to be there, and then everybody started showing up. It's something critical to everybody. And for some people, it's hard to do by themselves. They don't... Because each one calls for a questioning, an investigation. And when you're with friends, you can ask those questions. What about this? What about that? You don't know... And if you're by yourself, you don't have enough of a venue to do it. Do it with friends. That's what I say. I think that's a great idea. And uh, I think the second question is uh, the kind of medical treatment I want or I don't want. And I'd love to hear from both of you, you know, some of your thoughts on that. And maybe, John, you know, we could start with you either about your dad or something else. But obviously there was a lot of medical treatment at the end with your dad. Well, there was, yeah. And I, like I said earlier, I guarantee anyone that he would have not been happy to see what was going on with him. And, you know, I, is, I, I f frequently call this the time of our lives. This is when many of us are, uh, you know, dealing with the deaths of our parents. But our time is coming next. And we need to be prepared for this. And, you know, for, for me, the medical treatment, I'm still trying to work that out. I've had some orthopedic issues throughout my life. And there's, there's some real serious questions that I have to answer. And I don't have all the questions and I don't have all the answers, but I'm still working on that. And I'm not going to stop until I, I figure it out. And, and at your your party, David, yeah. what did was this a question that really uh, hit people in terms of what they want medically at the end? Absolutely, it was very critical. Now, hospice also has two liaison people. One is a social worker, one is a nurse that can help. How do you evaluate these various questions? If you're not in the medical field, which I'm not, and some people are, they may not know how to evaluate some of the things. Get more information. And when you work together, uh, you can do that together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so true because, and John, what you were just saying is, yeah, having a knee surgery or a hip surgery is different than having um, prolonged uh, time in, in an ICU where you're, the chances of getting better are really minimal. Right. Yeah, so that, and, and the question number three is how comfortable do I want to be? So what is, how do you interpret that? So that has to do with um, so drugs, okay? Palliative care. <laughs> palliative care and how much medication So do you want? before we go forward, yeah. because that is a word that has thrown me off so many okay. times. I understand mm -hmm. it now, but there may be somebody out there listening that has no idea what palliative care is. What is that? I'm learning more about it. Okay, I got, just got a big lesson yesterday. Well, then go for it. So I'll get, and oh. help me out, okay? okay? So palliative means somebody who has a long-term, probably within a two-year critical time illness. So, and they're not dying within six months, which is the trigger for hospice, but they are probably not going to get a lot better, and so they need enhanced care. That care session is called palliative care. And at that point, they have some professional like nurses they, who coordinate with the doctors for your medication, for your, uh, your well-being during that time. And so the question starts to be, 
how much medication do you want? Do you want to be totally comfortable and totally out of it? Or do you want to have more awareness? And it's okay for some pain, maybe even a bit more. But that's something if you think about and you get to consider. If you don't do it, the doctors and nurses will make the decision. So this is an advanced directive for healthcare providers. This is what I want you to do. I'm telling you, here's how I'd like you to do it for me. Yeah, yeah so in the five wishes, so John, did, did you want to no, add I, to that? No, that's spot on. I, the only thing that I would say is that, uh, you know, it's, it's important for you to understand what your own needs are, and it's always a challenge. And trying to put that into words and on a piece of paper, that's the, the miracle of this process, because once you've done that, then the people around you have an obligation to honor your wishes, and, and that's the key piece of this. You know, none of us, none of us want to go in an awful way where we're in agony and pain and it's extended. This is a, a really lovely process to have professional care guiding you through that. Well, I, I do love these questions, and, and the fourth question is how I want people to treat me. So that, what does that mean? Well... Envision your death cycle, okay? And you're, you know your doctors inform you that you have a month or two or whatever. Maybe you would like solitude, but maybe you want to make sure that your best friend, Frank, who you haven't seen, gets flown out to say goodbye. Or maybe you have some issues with your son or your daughter, and you'd like to say here we go, you know? And it also gives that son or daughter chance to, for you to say to them something like, I'm okay now. It's okay to let me go. It's like giving them permission to let you go. It's a huge thing for them. It frees them and it frees you. So how I want, for instance, you maybe want music. Maybe you want somebody reading to you. Maybe you want incense or maybe you hate incense. Maybe you'd like flowers. Maybe you'd like a bath, you know? You get to craft that. It's a poem that you're writing for your care. Oh, I love that, David. That's, that's a nice yeah. way to think of this it poem is. writing so, for your care. You know, it, this, is, this is the pathway if you are aware of your surroundings and you've got a diagnosis that doesn't hit you as an emergent condition, like what happened to my father. He had a, mm. an emergency bowel obstruction that they did surgery on him at age 96 and a half. Nobody called me to ask me if I thought that was a good idea. But for someone like him, who came out of surgery with no cognizant you know, reality, if we didn't have the documents, which we did not, this doesn't solve that part of it. And so we need to have... What John is telling us yeah. is so critical right now because every county, death is handled by counties, and every county has a solution. If you don't have one, they've got one. All right? So let's be proactive with ourselves, for ourselves, for our friends and for our families, by doing something like 
creating five wishes as your advanced directive, going through the thing. Do it as well as you can, either by yourself or better yet, call in all those friends that love to get together anyway. Well, I do like the idea of having friends, and I think these are rather interesting conversations you could get into with people. Uh, I know recently my father passed away, and, and he very clearly said that he wanted a big party after a, a Catholic Mass uh, to celebrate his passing. And uh, he, I'd actually even interviewed him on this show because uh, he was facing a terminal diagnosis. And my sister and brother and mother, who are more introverts, thought that it was better to just kind of after the, the mass to, to retreat. And, retreat yeah. and I thought that's not what dad wanted, but I, you know, let it go. And we listened to the recording again and, and dad got what he wanted and everybody was happy, but it was so nice to know it was dad's words of what he wanted. It was his words. And it gives us a chance to think outside the box. Like I'm the trustee on a, on a will for somebody she wants to be cremated. It's right there. Very simple, right? And I want my ashes spread where wolves live. Oh, so now this Sounds gets like pretty creative. Oh, <laughs> Where do wolves live? Wow. That? Right? So you get to, finally, it's your will and last testament. Wow. I'm going to recommend Yellowstone, by the way. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Uh, I, I have uh, a dream for our community, if, if I can take yes. a couple of quick yes, moments. John. And I've, I've, I've said this on, on, on the air on a couple of other occasions. But there's a town in, uh, in Wisconsin, mm. La Crosse, Wisconsin, right. that has gotten pretty famous in this world. Uh, they put together a program where their goal was to get 100% of their community members filling oh. out their advanced directives and whatever other ancillary documents are, go along with it. And they're at 96%. And I have a dream because this is such a vital organization, this Nevada County Hospice Organization, Hospice <clears throat> of the Foothills. And my, my goal at some point, I will be a part of an organization that helps lead this, or, this community into that place. But our goal is to be part of, an, uh, of a community that all goes through, through this. So everybody's going to have 18 people at their dinner table in order to be able to know what we're doing. And I can tell you one other little important part of this is hospitals struggle mightily if they don't have documentation. I know of many stories, one in particular where somebody was in the emergency room, a family member came and said, oh no, no, he doesn't want to be taken care of. And the doctors have no documentation. Yeah. They don't really have this family member in, in a place of authority to make those comments. And so they struggled and it, it puts the hospital and doctors in an untenable position and that's another really important reason to get this stuff in writing so that they know how to treat you the way you want to be treated. So you're helping them. Uh, John, I'm raising my hand to volunteer for your group. There you go. That's going to do this, and we're going to get 96.5%. I love it. Well, we just want to make sure that we say the last question is, uh, oh, sorry. is what I want my loved ones to know, and is there anything you want to add to that in the last minute or so here? Well, I think it's just these last things. And... Um, Something I've said to my daughter, every she's 35 now, and every year on her birthday, I always say, this has been the best year so far. <laughs> 
And that's what I want her to know, and I want my friends to know how much I've loved them. And I think they want to know, they want to tell me that too, you know? It's a good thing. Well, so where do people get the five wishes if, they, if they're inspired and they want to be one of the 96 or 98% here of Nevada County doing this? Well, Hospice of the Foothills is located at 11270 Rough and Ready Highway. And we have at our front desk a stack of five wishes. So you can go there at any time and get a copy for yourself and your friends. And then we'd be very happy to provide that. If you'd like to call, it's 530-272-5739. And there's plenty of people there to help you. And you can help yourself do something that's very important. Well, that is just such great information, and I know that um, I'm sure that there are people who are listening right now that are uh, inspired to uh, to check out that Five Wishes, and uh, I, I know we could talk about this longer. Uh, in the last, uh, I guess, five seconds each, do you have any last words of wisdom? So my thoughts are, this is more for your children than it is for yourself as much as all of these questions are geared towards getting what you want but do this for your children thanks john and david for me just really simply join in the conversation for yourself with your family and your friends well thank you so much you've been listening to uh Embracing the Journey. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and we've been talking about the Five Wishes and Advanced Directive with guests David Franco, Board President of Hospice of the Foothills, and John Blinder, Hospice of the Foothills Trustee. Mm-hmm.